Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Always good to have our guest. Always a pleasure to talk about our Catholic faith and how it applies to our life. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well out there on this wonderful Thursday afternoon. <clears throat> but as we get started here at the top of the noon hour, as always, let's get started with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. <clears throat> and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God. Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to take a little drink of my coffee here. Oh, and clear my throat. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Um, you know, lots going on here in our in our Catholic world, in our Catholic faith. And um, as usual, I like to do my shows that are going to be important to our listeners, to our audience, and just kind of get a feel as to what's going on in our hearts, what's going on in our minds. As we come to the clinic, I always say we need to think like we're Catholic so that we can live like we're Catholic, so that we can be Catholic. Um, what does it mean? I think that being Catholic is a constant state of becoming. It's a constant state of becoming something. Um, and I believe that we actually kind of become part of heaven. That's really what God is asking us to do, asking us to live our lives in a way that we can become part of him. And so, you know, we talk about the body of Christ and we talk about contemplating God forever in heaven. And it really makes me think that if we are part of the body of Christ, then we become heaven. Heaven is not uh, just a place, but a state of being. Like we say, we're in a state of grace. Um, at the same time, you notice that if we don't follow that, we are concerned that we will become something else, right? So the same way that we say the angels became demons, they became something different and they fell into hell um, so that they're not even recognizable to their angelic form, the complete 180, the complete opposite of their angelic form of the, of their reflecting the light of God. I think in the same way we see that in human beings, you know, you hear people say if they either hit rock bottom or something along those lines, we sometimes say, what have I become? What has become of me? What has, what have I turned into? Um, and I think our actions, the way we live our lives lead us in that direction and how we become, uh, either closer to God and we reflect the light of God or do we go further into darkness and not have that sense of grace and not be that shining light for other people? You know, 
it's important uh, to start with that kind of thought process because today I want to talk a little bit about prophecies and what's going on um, with different prophecies in the church. What are they? I'm always fascinated by uh, the, the consideration of apparitions and prophecies and things that are going to happen, not because I ponder on them and worry about them. I always tell my audience, I always tell my friends not to worry about them. But as of late, as it comes to the new year, as people are starting um, their resolutions and, and things of that nature, I have a lot of friends and a lot of people who ask me about different prophecies, different seers, you know, we're always concerned about, hey, did this seer get uh, the uh, approval from Rome? And do they have uh, any kind of uh, approved um uh, blessing, shall we say, that we can believe this to be true? Is it? And Rome always never says it happened or didn't happen. It either says it's worthy of belief or it's not worthy of belief. And one thing that we need to consider is that, technically speaking, anything after the Gospels, um, we're not obliged to necessarily believe. And, and a lot of the audience is going to say, "Well, what about you know? Do we have to pray the Rosary? Don't we have to believe in Fatima?" Um, technically, no. These are apparitions are taken on faith. But really, after the revelation of Christ, this public revelation, all these other revelations are called private revelations. Um, And in terms of the private revelations, we don't necessarily have to believe everything of it. What we do have to believe is everything that Christ told us, because that was God's direct message to us. So things that we need to believe in are that Christ left the sacraments for us, that Christ gave the authority to the apostles, the deposit of the faith to the apostles, that we are obliged to follow the word of Christ, that the miracles that Christ performed were real and true, that every word that came from Christ is real and true, and based on our belief that the scriptures were inspired by the Holy Spirit, we are obliged to believe them. So it becomes interesting in that way when a lot of people try to pick and choose and say, you know what, I believe this part of the Bible, or I don't believe this part of the Bible, or, you know, even though Jesus talked about there being demons or saying, Jesus himself said that he saw Satan fall from the skies, and yet people, even our some of our prelates will say, ah, I don't necessarily believe in demons. Well, the reality is, as the church teaches us, we are obliged to believe everything that Christ taught us that has been approved by the magisterium of the church in the Bible, in the scriptures of the gospel. Um, and really in the Bible, because the Bible is the inspired word of God. So are we belie- are we obliged to believe that there is a Moses and an Abraham and that there was an Exodus and Noah? Sure we are. And when we read these stories, do we believe that they were metaphorical? Do they we believe that they were allegorical? Depending on how you want to read them, Either way, we have to understand that there was a circumstance where God appeared to us, God has revealed to us throughout history um, in different ways, and most fully in the, in the person of Jesus Christ himself. Um, we are obliged to believe all that. There's always been prophecies that come from that, though. So, you know, when we think about, well, it's going to be the end times, or there's going to be the end of the world, or it's going to be things of, of that nature, how do we prepare for that? It's almost like when we're preparing for an earthquake, right? We know that earthquakes happen. Are we obliged to believe that earthquakes happens? Well, the interesting thing is some people might have been born uh, in a time after our last earthquake and have never experienced one. And they hear other people talk about it. They hear that we're supposed to prepare for them and have our water ready and maybe a little shelter or whatever we think we're going to need. But they have never experienced it, so they don't understand. But any of us who have experienced earthquakes know that yeah, they're very real. They do happen. I can explain them to people, but unless you experience one, it's not the same. But we're always preparing for them in, in terms of they, they could happen again. We know that it's just a natural phenomenon. I think in the same way, prophecies um, give us that sense that, 
you know, somebody has experienced something. There was the experience of God. God has revealed himself. Um, and like I said, we believe to Abraham, to Moses, to Isaac, to Jacob, to, you know, all the different uh, prophets from the Old Testament. And we come to the New Testament. Jesus Christ himself has revealed himself to us as the son of God. After that, anything that we talk about, we're going to take on faith. But here is the thing. So all the prophecies I'm going to talk about are technically, obviously, prophecies that are for us for the future. Do we need to believe them? No, we take them on faith. But I see it like this. Do I think they could happen or not happen? This is what people are really worried about. What's going to happen when, you know, there's the three days of darkness or the chastisement or the, you know, all these different things that, that we're worried about. I think of it like this. I think of it as, I think we should always be prepared to meet God. And we're going to talk about some of these prophecies, but we're going to do it in light of the biblical sense of have there been prophecies before? Sure. You know, we're going to look at, was there the prophecy of the flood? Noah was telling everybody there's going to be a flood. He started to build an ark. Everybody made fun of him, but he was ready and prepared. But why did God reach out to Noah so that he could give him this prophecy? We're going to look at that. We're going to analyze that a little bit and see what was Noah doing and what do we need to do in our own lives as this comes up as the prophecies um, either scare us or don't scare us? How do we react to that? Because a lot of people are out there saying, Dr. Sandoval, I keep hearing these bad things are going to happen um, and I don't know what to do about it. You know, Dr. Sandoval, I heard that I got to prepare this way or that way. I got to have something because there's going to be a famine. I got to have something because there's going to be days of darkness. Well, I think that it's always fine to be prepared. There's nothing wrong with being prepared for anything we think might happen but not at the peril of missing out on the everyday. And we're going to look at that. So the first prophecy I wanted to look at <clears throat> was the three days of darkness. And this is an interesting prophecy because it was actually given to, uh, I mean, even, you know, if you want to look at it, we know that the three days of darkness was <clears throat> uh, even talked about by Padre Peel. Again, I always like, I always like to do very basic, um, searches online uh, when we discuss this on the show. If anybody wants to discuss this more in depth, you're free to email me um, and send me whatever references you have. I haven't been getting a few emails, so if I haven't responded to anybody lately uh, right away, please give me a little bit of time to respond <clears throat> because I have been getting a few. I try to reach out to all of our listeners as much as possible. Um, but so the three days of darkness, let's talk about this. I just did a general search online. So this is any information that anybody can see. And I like to do that because I like to see what people are reading. But <clears throat> one of the things is this, this is what it says. This is just a Wikipedia page. I think major it says the three days of darkness is an eschatological prophecy. Eschatological just means end times, right? So in terms of, of death, um, of future events, and it's held by some Catholics to be true. Notice some Catholics, uh, the prophecy foretells three days and nights of an intense darkness over the whole earth against which the only light will come from blessed beeswax candles and during which all the enemies of the church will perish. So that's what the prophecy entails. So it's pretty intense, right? So the three days of darkness is this idea that there will be a period of three days and three nights of intense darkness. The only light will come from blessed beeswax candles. So everybody's saying, Dr. Samuel, do I have to get these blessed beeswax candles? If you're going to follow the prophecy to the letter of the law, yeah, that's what you got to do, right? Is that such a big deal? No, because I think one, I think beeswax candles are wonderful. I love the smell of them before you burn them. They burn really well. And there's nothing wrong with having blessed candles on your house. If they just happen to be beeswax, that's great. You're already prepared. Oh, I hear the music coming on. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the prophecy. What does it mean to us as Catholics? Um, we're going to talk about a few more prophecies going down the road so that 
people don't feel so anxious about them. And then we're going to see how do we live our everyday life. More when we come back on the other side of the break. All right. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Lee Sandoval Show here. We're having a great day here on, on our show. We're talking about prophecies and what is what do we think about them? What do we make of them? I've had a few of my listeners write to me and ask me questions in terms of, you know, do we believe this? What does this mean? Am I crazy if I believe this? And are people crazy when they tell us what the prophecies are? And the answer to that is honestly, no, you're allowed to believe anything you want. The question is, um, is it the truth? And I think that that's what people really want to know. You know, obviously we're different people on this planet. Everybody has different belief systems. And that's why we can get into, shall we say, different points of view, different arguments. People will always have uh, different uh, perspectives on things. The only thing we're obliged to believe is Catholics. When it comes to our faith and the deposit of the faith is that which is in the Gospels, that's what, that which is in Scriptures, that which the magisterium of the church has told us, this is what we need to believe. As far as Revelation, the only thing we need to believe is everything up to uh, Jesus Christ. And after, um, after that and everything in the Scriptures, anything after that is considered private revelation. And the church will always say it's either worthy of belief or it's not worthy of belief. Notice that they don't say that it's true. Um, but it gives us an indication that if it's worthy of belief, it means that there's nothing in there that contradicts us or prevents us from following Christ. And that's the important thing. So before the break, we were talking about the prophecy of the three days of darkness and the three days of darkness is this prophecy that says that there will be three days of three days and three nights of intense darkness. And the only thing that's going to be able to uh, show any light or that we're going to be able to see is this light from beeswax candles. And again, is there any problem with believing that? There's no problem with believing that at all. There's no problem in terms of our faith. It's not a sin to believe that. Um, it would be a sin. So how does that work? Dr. Samuel, well, if you're telling me that, you know, I have to believe only what's in the Gospels, but then this is private revelation. Isn't it a sin if I follow anything that's not in the Gospels? No, it's only a sin insofar as if anything you believe is going to keep you from getting closer to Christ, or if you... Um, don't, uh, if you trick yourself and believe that sin is not sin, if you're aware of what you're doing, I think that's actually, you know, some people say, doc, they come to me in, in therapy or something. They say, I can't stop. I know that I'm sinning. It goes against my faith, but I can't stop committing the sin. I don't know why I tell them that's actually a good sign that you're able to recognize that it's sin and that you're wrestling with it. You're, you're, you're struggling with that. That's a good sign. God sees that. He says, you know, he knows that we're going to fall, but what we have to do is we have to recognize that whatever I'm struggle, struggling with is indeed a sin. And so I'm not saying, you know what, I'm struggling with it, but it's okay. It's not a problem. I've decided it's not a sin. God's not going to have a problem with it. I'm just going to continue to do it. That's where we run into problems. But let's talk about this prophecy. So the first time that one of this, pro the, the, at least the first time that it's known or one of the older seers that we know of is Blessed Anna Marie Taiji. And um, she is the most known seer of the Three Days of Darkness. Uh, she lived from 1769 to 1837. And this is what she says about this. Again, this is just on the Wikipedia page. You can look it up. It's just there. I don't want to think that I'm looking up something secret or something that, you know, we can get into the prophecies. We think that there's going to be some secret book somewhere that we're going to find with all things that nobody else has knowledge of. And the reality is I like to look at what does everybody have knowledge of? That's why I do these general searches. And it says, there shall come over the whole earth an intense darkness lasting three days and three nights. 
nothing can be seen, and the air will be laden with pestilence, which will claim mainly, but not only, the enemies of religion. It will be impossible to use any man-made lighting during this darkness, except blessed candles. He who out of curiosity opens his window to look out or leaves his home will fall dead on the spot. Reminds me a little bit there, uh, if you look at the, the biblical reading of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Anybody who turned back would turn into, or looked back would turn into a pillar of salt. This one says that he who out of curiosity opens his windows to look out or leave his home will fall dead on the spot. <clears throat> During these three days, people should remain in their homes, pray the rosary, and beg God for mercy. All the enemies of the church, whether known or unknown, will perish over the whole earth during the universal darkness. So let's read that again. All the enemies of the church, whether known or unknown, will perish over the whole earth during that universal darkness, with the exception of a few whom, whom God will soon convert. The air shall be infected by demons who will appear under all sorts of hideous forms. So definitely sounds scary, right? When we read a prophecy like that, what am I supposed to do? This is three days of darkness. I can't leave my home. I'm not supposed to look out, even out of curiosity. What if, and we start getting scrupulous. What if I, what if I, I peeked out of the curtain and I didn't realize that it was open and all of a sudden I saw something. Am I going to die right there? What if, you know, this is where I don't have answers for that. This is where we just kind of take this for what it is based on what she said. And the idea is that we're not going to turn to darkness. We don't even want to look at darkness out of curiosity. We're going to look at that a little bit more because what does that mean for us on a daily basis? There's another one, another seer who's Marie Julie Jehenny, and she was uh, alive from 1850 to 1941. She is known as the Breton stigmatist, uh, expanded upon the story of three days. So she expanded on this story and she said, according, this is this article says, according to Jehenny, it would occur on a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Kind of makes sense, right? So it's like when Jesus was in the tomb for three days of darkness. Um, actually Jesus was not in, not in the tomb until Friday, which I would say from the start of his passion on uh, Thursday, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all of hell will soon would, would be let loose to strike at those outside their homes and those without a lit blessed candle of pure wax. That's pure wax. She doesn't specify beeswax. These candles would miraculously, miraculously stay aflame the entire period, but not light at all in the houses of the godless. So again, it's interesting. You know, this is saying that uh, it's going to be three days. She specifies it even more. It says it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, all hell is going to be let loose to strike anybody outside their home. So, you know, people start getting scrupulous and say, oh, Thursday's coming. I'm going to go into the house. I don't know if this is it. Um, and those without any blood, without candles uh, are not going to be, able, oh, I'm sorry, it's going to strike anybody who is out of their homes and without a blessed lit candle. However, those candles are not going to work in the homes of the godless, which means obviously people who are not living a godly life, people who are in sin, or like I said, people who accept sin um, as being true. So that's interesting in terms of that prophecy. So, and we could say, you know, gosh, these aren't really well-known saints. One of them was blessed. The other one is, you know, has no uh, religious title. The church has not recognized her, shall we say. And, um, you know, so what does this really mean for us? Well, there's, people are going to say, well, Dr. Sandoval, yeah, but you know what? Padre Pio, he's recognized he's a saint. And according to Padre Pio, he had received some prophetic messages from Jesus Christ himself. Now, again, are we obliged to believe this? We can say, well, you know, I can understand how we're not obliged to believe any Marian apparitions or things of that nature. But in this particular case, we're saying Padre Pio, who is declared a saint, said that Jesus himself spoke to him. 
Are we obliged to believe that? Technically, no, because even though Padre Pio is declared a saint, his revelations from Christ are private revelations, not public revelations. So again, any private revelation we can take on faith, we can say it's worthy of belief if the church approves. Um, so we can choose to believe it, but does that mean that it's necessarily 100% true going to happen? No, it just means that maybe we can help guide our lives. So this is a prophecy from New Year's Eve, 1949 to Padre Pio. Um, and this is Jesus speaking to Padre Pio. And he says, my son, my son, I have been longing for this hour in which I shall, in which I again shall receive to you, reveal to you, pardon me, uh, the great love of my heart, pray and make reparation to me, admonish others to do the same because the time is near at hand in which I shall visit my unfaithful people because they have not heeded the time of my grace. Persevere in prayer so that your adversary shall not, shall have no dominion over you. Tell my people to be prepared at all times for my judgment shall come upon them suddenly and when least expected and not one shall escape my hands. I shall find them all. I shall protect the just, watch the sun and moon and the stars of the heavens. When they appear to be unduly disturbed and restless, know that the day is not far away. Stay united in prayer and watching until the angel of destruction has passed your doors. Pray that these days will be shortened. So that one does not specify the three days of darkness, but it is Jesus telling him, hey, this time is coming. There will be a time of chastisement, shall we say. Okay, so... Let's look at um, a little bit further on. So now that was uh, New Year's Eve, 1949, January. So about a month later, uh, 1950, again, Jesus is telling him, men are running towards the abyss of hell in great rejoicing and merrymaking. Again, that speaks to men accepting sin is okay. We're running through the business all because we are rejoicing and merrymaking. We've uh, we've kind of gotten rid there of the idea of sin or that we should do something um, to purify our lives. Um, and he says they're doing this as though they were going to a masquerade ball or the wedding feast of the devil himself. Assist me in the salvation of souls. The measure of sin is filled. And he says the godless and wicked people shall be destroyed without mercy as they were inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah of old. Yes, I tell you their wickedness was not as great as that of our human race today. So again, now in this one, Jesus mentions Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, if we're talking about the three days of darkness, you're not supposed to look out of curiosity. You're not supposed to peek out or leave your home. In Sodom and Gomorrah, you're not supposed to look back. So very similar. Now it gets a little bit more specific. January 28th, so a couple days later, 1950, the prophecy says, keep your window windows well covered. Do not look out. Light a blessed candle, which will suffice for many days. Pray the rosary read scriptural books, make, make acts of spiritual communion, also acts of love um, are so pleasing to us, he says. And I guess us means heaven because then I would ask who is us or he's speaking to the Trinity, uh, referencing the Trinity perhaps. Um, Pray with outstretched arms or prostrate on the ground in order that many souls may be saved. Do not go outside the house. Provide yourself with sufficient food. The powers of nature shall be moved and rain shall a rain of fire shall make People ter tremble with fear. Have courage. I am in the midst of you. Okay. And then a few weeks later, it gets much more specific. And so this is a, an important one. It's very long, but I'm going to just kind of get the gist of it. Again, this is Jesus speaking to Padre Pio. And one of the things he says is, um, take care of the animals during these days. I am the creator and the preserver of all animals as well as man. I shall give you a few signs beforehand at which time you should make 
you should place more food before them. I will preserve the property of the elect, including the animals, for they shall be in need of sustenance afterwards as well. Let no one go across the yard even to feed the animals. He who steps outside will perish. Cover your windows carefully. My elect shall not see my wrath. So again, now this is this is very similar to the other ones. Um, don't, you know, the elect will not see his wrath, cover the windows, don't look out. It reminds us a little bit of a few times when God says, don't look at certain things. When he told uh, Moses, you can't see my face or you will die, right? And he told him to turn around. Um, and again, Jesus is saying, you can't see my wrath. Um, and he's saying, my hour is coming near. They will, he says, they will, the most dreadful punishment will bear witness to the times. My angels, who are to be the executioners of this work, are ready with their pointed swords. They will take special care to annihilate all those who mocked me and who would not believe in my revelations. Hurricanes of fire will pour forth from the clouds and spread over the entire earth. So this is very important. It sounds pretty intense. The night will be very cold. The wind will roar. At times, th thunderbolts will be heard. Talk to no one outside of the house. Kneel before a crucifix. Be sorry for your sins and beg my mother's protection. Do not look during the earthquake because the anger of God is holy. So again, you know, we read this, we hear about this. It can be pretty scary, right? What do we do about it in our day and age? What do I do? How do I, do I need to prepare for this? Is this coming really, really soon? This is from a few years ago, this prophecy. What am I supposed to do with this? It's kind of scaring me. It's causing anxiety. We're going to talk about that a little bit more when we come back from the break. And we're going to look at a different prophecy as well and see how those compare. More when we come back on the other side of the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Welcome back to the clinic. Um, today, as always, we talk about our spiritual health, our physical health, and our mental health. And we do that as Catholics because the church and Christ knows that we are all three at the same time. A little bit of a reference to the Trinity there. We are not God, but God likes to work in threes, and the Trinity is the ultimate example of that. God also made us kind of three-part ourselves in that we have a body, a mind, and a soul, and they're all working in conjunction all the time. Um, today, we're talking about prophecies, and what does this have to do with our body, mind, and soul? Well, it can affect us in many different ways when we start reading about prophecies, when we start looking at, gosh, there's this idea of the end times, there's this idea of punishment, and it can cause a lot of anxiety in our mind. It can cause uh, tribulation in our souls and our hearts. It can lead us to despair, unfortunately, if we don't read these the right way. And that can also affect us physically, right? Because whenever we're feeling bad uh, mentally or spiritually, physically, we're going to be slowed down. We're not going to be feeling quite as good. So we were most recently talking about the prophecy of the three days of darkness. And we were seeing how accurate is that? We know that there are some seers who talked about it, but there are also some saints, such Saint Padre Pio. I'm not going to go through all the saints because uh, we don't have enough time in, all, in multiple shows to do that um, <clears throat> in terms of uh, the three days of darkness itself. But Saint Padre Pio told us about that. And he said that he had some personal private revelations from Jesus Christ telling him that there would be three days of darkness. Um, one of the most important things from his journal of, of the revelations um, is this one line that says, uh, Jesus tells him, I have chosen souls in other countries too, such as Belgium, Switzerland, Spain, who have received these revelations so that other countries may be prepared. Um, now this is according to Padre Pio, so we shouldn't be too surprised if other people talk about this, 
um, pretty much during this holy year of 1950. So it was 1950 when he, when he had this conversation with Padre Pio. And he, this is, this is, I think one of the most important lines, um, that we can take away from this when we're, when we're talking about this, when we're thinking about this, pray the rosary, but pray it well so that your prayers may reach heaven. Why do you think that that's the most important line? Because one, it's nothing new telling us to pray the rosary. Um, you know, our lady tells us that every single operation that there's no question about that. How, if, if I were to, if somebody were to ask me, Hey, Dr. Sandoval, we need you to study this apparition of our lady and just tell us, what do you think as a, as a Catholic lay person? Um, do you think that this is worthy of belief? Do you think it's not? And if it's a prophecy of our lady, I would say well, the fir- one of the first things I would look for is, is she asking us to pray the rosary? Is she saying anything about the rosary? Is she saying we should pray the rosary? And if she does, I think that that's pretty much worthy of belief. Well, I, sh- I would say on the right track to being worthy of belief. I think that if, if the idea of a lack of, of uh, request for prayer and penance, but more in particular the rosary, were not there, um, then we start to question it. This one, Jesus just says, pray the rosary. And so that, that already tells me, okay, you know, we're on the right track. We were talking about the rosary. And he says, but pray it well so that your prayers may reach heaven. Why is that important? I think that that's one of the most important things that anybody could have told us from heaven. Pray it well so that your prayers may reach heaven. Because if he's asking us to pray it well, that tells us right there that we can pray it and there's a way to pray it not well. Just because we're praying the rosary, sometimes we think, oh, I got through my rosary and I did it as a checkoff list. And that could be a problem. Because if I'm just sitting there praying a rosary and not really thinking about what I'm doing, not meditating on the mysteries, did I really pray the rosary? Um, I could not be praying the rosary. I could be mouthing the rosary. I could be saying the rosary, but am I praying the rosary? Um, and that's a whole different level because he's telling us, pray it so that your prayers may reach heaven. Because I think that if we're just speaking the rosary, if we're just saying the words, um, if we're just saying the rosary, but we're not actually praying the rosary, it's not going to reach heaven. And we see this ever since uh, the book of Genesis, right? When we look at Cain and Abel, um, what was the issue with Cain? Why was he frustrated? Why was he jealous of Abel? Because everything Abel did reached heaven. Um, he was praying to God. He was praying well. Every All his actions were a prayer. He offered him to God. Cain was probably not doing the same thing. Now, is that to say that he couldn't have changed? No, God told him, you know, you can do this too. You can change your heart and make everything a prayer. But Cain uh, didn't follow that path, right? So he became jealous of Abel and we know that he killed him. It's the same way, I think, with these prophecies, with our prayers. You know, where is our heart? Are we praying or are we so busy um, trying to prepare for them out of fear rather than out of love of God that it's going to change things for us? You know, this is this is important because uh, there's another part of this. This is the three days of darkness, and we're going to switch over to a little bit of a different prophecy. Um, but it says, there shall be great confusion because of this utter darkness in which the entire earth shall be enveloped and many, many shall die from fear and despair. So I think that um, this is important to understand because of that fear and despair part. I think if we start to truly pray, if we put ourselves in a, in a position where our prayers are reaching heaven, our souls are reaching heaven, our hearts are reaching heaven, I think we're not going to worry so much about anything going on around us, even if it seems really scary, even if it seems like the whole world's falling apart. I think that the fear and despair won't be there because we're going to put our faith in God. And more importantly, we're always going to be ready for that moment of death 
or what we call physical death, shall we say that moment of passing or the moment as our Eastern brothers say, uh, falling asleep in Christ. Um, I think we're going to be ready for that. We're not going to be afraid or in despair. We're going to say, God, I trust you wholeheartedly. Um, this could be our time. Okay. So uh, hopefully all my prayers have been paying off and my preparation has been paying off as well. So that's an interesting prophecy that uh, some of our listeners wrote to me about. There was another prophecy um, that goes back a little ways, um, and it's called The Great Warning and the Illumination of Conscience. And if anybody's ever heard of this, um, it is a prophecy that came out of Our Lady of Garabandals for that uh, apparition. Now, keep in mind that apparition has not been fully approved or found worthy of belief by the Rome. It's still in the works, though. It still seems to be kind of uh, hovering in the works. There's been a, a recently a newfound um, interest in it. Um, <clears throat> but it's an interesting um, um, theory here about the illumination. And this article, uh, which I'll put a link to, just says there was an alleged apparition of, it says alleged because again, it has not been fully approved, um, of Our Lady uh, at Garabanda that talks about the great warning and illum- illumination of conscience at the end of time. According to the Marian apparition, the great warning is the illumination of conscience that comes shortly before the end times and everyone will personally experience an awareness of their own sinfulness. The person will be alone before God, and that will be a kind of wake-up call to each human being. While this may sound intimidating, we should all be living our lives with a knowledge of our sinfulness and a constant effort to remedy our faults. So again, um, this prophecy from Our Lady of God that says that there will be this illumination. However, all these, even as Jesus had told Padre Pio, usually there's warning signs before that they talk about. So this is what I tell my listeners, anybody who feels anxious, if they feel like, gosh, these prophecies are going to come, I'm not ready. There's usually talk about the warning signs. So with the illumination of conscience, there is supposed to be a cross or a lit cross or a, a um, something that resembles a cross that should be seen everywhere in the world. How that will happen, I don't know, but all things are possible with God, so I don't put it past any any possibility. But people are supposed to see this and be prepared for this. Okay, what's going to happen during this illumination? A lot of people get scared. Um, but it says, again, let me read that again, the person will be alone before God, and that will be a kind of wake-up call to each human being. Now, a lot of times people get scared and they say, whoa, I'm going to be alone before God and he's going to see my sins. I don't like that. I think that the the challenging part is not that we'll be alone before God and God will see our sins. I think that we'll be alone before God and we will see our sins. I think this is where I'm saying and what I've said before of why we have to think about this. And when we read these prophecies and apparitions, are we aware of our sins or have we decided that sin is okay and we're going to go down our own path and we're going to make our own way and we're not going to worry about um, what God really thinks or if it looks good before the eyes of God or bad before the eyes of God because we're okay with it. I think that the idea of us seeing our own sins the way God sees it is actually very, very merciful because notice that it's not saying necessarily that we're going to die at that moment. It's just saying that God is going to give us a knowledge of our sinfulness and God is going to explain to us at that time Nope, these are the sins. We're gonna let's go back to those Ten Commandments. Let's go back to those Beatitudes. Let's go back to all the different uh, teachings that I have given you. And this is what is simple. And if you don't want to believe that, this is the way it is set up by God's laws Himself. Um, we need to have that moment where we choose: Do we remedy this, and do we accept what God is telling us, or do we go about our own ways? And so the article goes on to say: What can we expect during the end times? Illumination of conscience. The 
end times, marrying apparitions. So then let's talk about apparitions in general. No one knows the day, the hour that Jesus will come again. The second coming is a mystery to everyone. We should be preparing each day for the coming of Christ. Prayer, examination of conscience, frequent reception of the sacraments, reading scripture, all these things help us to prepare for the end of time. The great warning is not something to be feared. The great warning is part of this illumination, right? We will see our sinfulness before God and then work on purifying ourselves. This is something we should be doing every day. And that's what I was talking about. This is what we really need to look at. And this is the way we need to think about our everyday lives. But let's look at what some of the saints have said about end times, right? Because all these prophecies are really talking about end times, three days of darkness, um, you know, the illumination of conscience. We can look at Fatima and she talks about our lady tells, tells us about the end of time. She talks to us about times of war, times of peace, but let's look at what some different saints have talked about. Um, because there are different prophecies out there. One of them, it says, um, before I come, this is Jesus to St. Faustina. uh, It says, before I come as a judge, I first open wide the door of my mercy. He who refuses to pass through the door of my mercy must pass through the door of my justice. That's very, very important. Again, God is looking for, if we're afraid about finding ourselves in front of God, we can't forget about God's mercy. God is finding every way to get us to heaven. He's given us every chance to do that. So that if at the end of the day, we end up going to hell, it's not because God didn't try for us. It's because we didn't try for ourselves. But God is reminding us before any of this, I'm opening the door of my mercy. There's another prophecy of uh, to St. Bridget of Sweden. And it says, before the Antichrist comes, the portals of the faith will be open to great number of pagans. Again, if we're worried about the prophecy of the Antichrist, we can't forget that <clears throat> Jesus is uh, letting us know that before any of that even happens, um, there is the portals of mercy. There is the portal of conversion. There is the portal of uh, different ways to reach Christ. This idea of the illumination of consciousness um, can be pretty harrowing. People are saying, well, what am I going to do when that happens? What am I What am I supposed to say to God as I stand before him? Um, and really it comes down to, there, there's nothing to say. I think that once you're standing in front of the truth, I think all it is is a, a gaining of knowledge, a gaining of how God thinks, and we can choose to accept that or not accept that. And that can be the hard part because the responsibility is ours. When we come back from the break, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about what does this mean for us in our everyday lives and what are we supposed to do to prepare for prophecies uh, that we're not sure when they're going to happen. We're going to talk about that so we can be prepared more when we come back from the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And as always, I'm your host here, Dr. Luis Sandoval. So happy to be uh, with our audience. Always a pleasure to talk to our listeners. Um, And I will be catching up with some of your uh, listeners who emailed me. I apologize for anybody who I haven't reached out to lately. It's been a little bit busy, but uh, always nice to to connect. If I ever don't reach back to you or it's been a few days, feel free to re-email me or send me a new message um, because I'm always trying to refresh that. So today we are talking about prophecies and what does that mean and why uh, really the question is, should this cause us anxiety or not? You know, a lot of people feel really anxious about this. You start to hear about this. I think that the idea of hearing about prophecies of the end times, um, when it comes to 
uh, our Lord, our Lady, our illumination of conscience, if we are going to, our sins are going to be revealed to us, or if there's going to be three days of darkness. If it kind of causes us to shudder a little bit, I actually don't think that that's a bad sign because it, it lets us uh, know. It's kind of a, a little bit of a wake up call. It lets us know, hey, we're going to be, um, there's something I want to do. And, and, and it really means, I'm sorry, let me back up a little bit. If it causes us to shudder, if it causes us to be a little bit scared, what that really means, if you want to think about it this way, is I'm scared because I want to be closer to God, because I want to be ready, because I want to make sure that I don't perish, that I don't go down the wrong path. So if we're a little bit afraid, I think that's actually a good thing. Um, If we do something about it, because let's look at it this way, God will never take away our free will. So let's say that there is this period of illumination of conscience as was prophesied by, uh, prophesied by um, Our Lady of Garabandar. And all of a sudden there's this time where our sins will be revealed to us. We're going to be one-on-one with God. God's never taken away our free will, and God is letting us know, I'm letting you choose right now. You can choose one path or another. You can turn away from this life of sin, or you can continue it. And then it's going to be up to us. We actually have that choice. If if we say, nope, you know, I think I want to continue it, God's going to say, okay, that's your free will, and I respect that. That's how strongly God um, believes in the free will he gave us in in our choice, and that's how strongly God wants to make sure that our choice for him is, is 100% free. It's a huge risk. It's kind of like if you're dating somebody and you think, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person, but you say, you know what? I'm going to, you have a choice. I, I want to, I want to get married. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. We know that that person has a choice to either stay with us or leave. And if they choose to stay with us and they chose freely, boy, are we going to be happy because that is free, love freely given. But if all of a sudden they chose to stay with us because they fear that they don't want to be alone, because they want stability, because they want money, and not because they love us in particular, that's going to be a little bit challenging. I don't, I don't know that we're going to truly believe that that person loved us. I think it's when we say, hey, we're going to take that risk, and I love you, and I'm just going to, we're going to see what happens. Yeah, we've got to think about this logically too, but love has to be freely given. And I think that that's what, if nothing else, these prophecies need to tell us or need to get us to that point where we realize I'm a little bit scared. If I, I think it's just because I really start to need to prepare uh, for this. I need to prepare for meeting Christ and I need to reevaluate my life. I need to evaluate my conscience. I need to do an examination of my conscience and ask myself before this illumination, what are my sins? What is it that I'm doing that might not be pleasing to God? Or more importantly, what can I start doing that will be pleasing to God? Because if I start focusing that way, all the sins are going to go away. And God's going to forgive our sins because he's going to see, wow, you really do love me. You want to come closer to me? Let's start getting rid of these sins. They're naturally going to go away. That's just what happens. It's kind of like when there's addiction, when there's uh, mental illness, if we focus on, on the hard part, boy, it's going to be a big struggle to get out of that. But if we start looking at what can I do, not in terms of my addiction, but what can I do to make my life better? What can I do that's not part of my addiction? How can I change my focus? Boy, our lives are going to start to improve. Okay. Um, let's look at another prophecy, uh, the last one that we're going to look at, and then we're going to talk about these and what does that mean in our lives? How can we read them in terms of, are the prophecies actually really happening right now in our lives, um, in a different way that we can have that perspective and what should we do moving forward? So of course, one of the prophecies that we, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners listen to or or, are very well, well aware of is Fatima. And one of the big prophecies from Fatima was, um, that the Holy Father, so I'm just going to read a little part here. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and we shall be converted in a period of peace. 
will be granted to the world. I know that that's one of the main parts of the, what we call the secrets of Fatima that our listeners listen to. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will, will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated, right? And so that can be kind of scary to hear. Uh, What does this mean? We know that a lot of times people believe that the attempt on the Holy Father uh, in terms of him having much to suffer, uh, we, everybody believes that, a lot of people believe that Pope John Paul II uh, had that assassination attempt. Um, it was right on the day of the Feast of Fatima, and then he went the following year to go visit the shrine of Our Lady of Fatima. Um, and we wonder, is this really what's happening? Well, we never know for sure, right? We, we don't know exactly. However, um, we can kind of put pieces together and we can say, yeah, this could be part of the prophecy. This could be what it is. And we have to read that. Now, does that mean that the Holy Father was martyred? We have to ask ourselves, what does this mean? How can we look at this in terms of our modern day? So let's look at that. The Holy Father, I think, is being martyred every day. Anybody who's in the seat of of Peter, the Petrine office, has to be a martyr for the faith. There's no question about it because everything you're going to do is going to be scrutinized. People will be either happy or not happy. Whether you're following the magisterium of the church to a T, then people who feel that there needs to be a change will not be happy. If you, uh, if you're the Holy Father and you're saying we need to reevaluate this and look at this from a different perspective, and there's going to be changes that are going to be made or perceived changes, then everybody who wants to follow the, the magisterium to a T um, is going to say that whatever he's doing is wrong. So it's a very, very difficult position. Um, and this is where one of the prophecies of St. John Bosco of the end times was that the Holy Father was going to be navigating a ship and he was going to be between two pillars and one was the Eucharist and one was Our Lady because I think that that's what the Holy Father needs to hold on to as he navigates the ship towards heaven. It's very hard because as human beings, we have different opinions and different things that we think that we know or that we need to do um, in order to truly follow Christ. But when we look at these prophecies and we think about how the good will be martyred, that's pretty scary for us too as Catholics. We, you know, in the old days, we think of martyrdom as people getting their heads chopped off and people being impaled and really being killed um, because they were, they asked, uh, they were asked to not follow Christ. And we said, you know, we got to follow Christ to the point of death, the same way Christ taught us that he followed God's, God's will, the father's will to the point of death, literally. So in many ways that can be very, very scary. Is this prophecy happening now? Are the good being martyred? I think the good have always been martyred. If we look at the times of Noah, that was a prophecy too. Now, the prophecy, once a prophecy is fulfilled, we always see it as history, right? This already happened. But think about it this way. If we look at the time of Noah and we read that passage of the Bible, it tells us the same things. Men was turning their hearts away from God. There was a lot of sin on the earth. And God was saying, we need to repent. We need to change back. We need to change our hearts and head back towards him. And he was telling Noah, this needs to happen. So be prepared for the flood. People didn't believe Noah. They didn't know what was going on. Um, They thought that they were just going about their everyday lives. The same way that if we read about this three days of darkness, we're going to go about our everyday lives. Yeah, we're going to maybe have it in our background. But what was Christ really saying? What was God really saying, I should say, to Noah? And what's Christ really saying to us? The message is the same. I got to start living my life every day um, like I'm moving forward. Like I'm moving forward towards God, like I'm trying to pray my rosary, like I'm increasing and improving and solidifying my relationship with God. And that's really what it comes down to. Then we're not going to have to worry about anything, you know, whether I have the candles or not, whether I prepared in that way or not. 
if I'm preparing my heart right now, I think our, our heart needs to be a candle for God. I think we need to light it as though it were a candle every day. The same way we go to church, we light a candle. We find a be- beautiful beeswax candle that we light. I'm not going to rely on that candle if my heart's not on fire for God. Because if you look at that prophecy, it said that that candle's only going to work if you're with God. It's not going to work with anybody who's godless. I think in the same way, our hearts are not going to burn well if we're not with God, if we're, if we're heartless, um, that, and, you know, and, and that's one of the hard parts of these prophecies every day, you know, it, when it's a prophecy, I look to the future and I say, well, this is going to happen sometime down the road. So I better be prepared. But just like we prepare for earthquakes and things of that nature, we get complacent. You know, I can say I'm prepared for the earthquake, but am I really, I am for a little while. And then all of a sudden, ah, you know what? I moved all my water bottles somewhere, my food supply, ah, that kind of changed. You know, remember we bought in that new piece of furniture and we had to move things. And now I don't know where everything is. We started losing that sense of preparation because we're not living in the moment anymore. We're waiting for something that may or may not come in our lifetime. But if we're not turning our hearts into a beeswax candle for God, that's going to be really, really challenging to switch from one day to the next, right? If we're not looking towards praying and praying in a way that our prayer is going to reach heaven, right? How do we do that? Well, Dr. Sandoval, what does that mean? I mean, I pray. How do I know if I'm just saying the rosary or if I'm praying the rosary? This is what I would say. If you're having a conversation with a friend, you can tell when a friend is distracted. You can tell when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're speaking and you're like, you're not listening to me. I know that we're talking, we're speaking, but I don't have that connection right now. We are not connected in our speech. I'm saying something and I don't think you were listening to me. And then what do we say? Say back to me what you just said, what I just said. Repeat to me what I just said. Were you listening? Yeah, you said that, you know, and they might even say, yeah, this is exactly what you said and they'll say it. But then we say, yeah, I know that you said it, but I got a feeling we weren't connected there in that moment. That's really what it comes down to. When I am praying, be it the rosary, be it a quick Our Father, and as I said, a quick Our Father, can I have a quick conversation with a friend? Yeah, absolutely. And can it be meaningful? Yes. If even for that brief moment, my heart was in it, I have to ask myself, am I having a conversation with God? Am I in the moment where if God were, if I could see God, because God is there, God is present for us, Jesus is present for us all the time. But if I could actually see them, Am I focused on them? Am I concentrating on them? Am I looking at them? Am I listening to what they're saying? And I, and do I know that they're listening to me? Well, the way we know that is we take that step back and we start having a real conversation. Now, this is where people might say, this is where we might get martyred. The good are going to get martyred if they do this, right? Why? Because all of a sudden people are going to say, wow, you, you really do believe like there's a real Jesus. You know, like Jesus is right here. I think sometimes we forget that and people don't even believe that and we're made fun of for that. Why? Or we're, we're considered a little bit off. That's where the martyrdom comes in. This is where do we stick to this and believe it? Not just because of this prophecy, not just because I'm afraid of three days of darkness, but do I believe it because that's what Jesus told us and I'm going to have a conversation with God. There's an interesting um, part of the prophecy that I had read before um, where it says, all this is back from the Wikipedia article, where it says, all the enemies of the church, whether known or unknown, will perish over the whole earth during that universal darkness with the exception of a few whom God will soon convert. Well, sometimes I ask myself, every time I sin, every time I do something, am I an enemy of the church? Am I turning away from God? That's really what I need to consider. These prophecies, they can be really, really scary. Gosh, three days of darkness, I can't look out my window. How many times do we look out into, just out of curiosity, into the occult? How many times do we look out of curiosity into, oh, there's a tarot reading, there's a psychic reading. You know what, I'm just gonna go check it out. Oh, there's a Ouija board, I know I shouldn't, but I wonder if it's real. This is what happens. This is where we got to close our curtains. Even today, uh, the curtains of our hearts, the curtains of our mind to anything 
that might lead to darkness. Well, this is the end of the show. I thank you for listening. Um, I hope that this show helps us to reduce our fear about what might happen in the future and help us focus on what are we doing in the present? Uh, Not worry about the prophecy, but worry about the prophecy of today in terms of making my heart a candle for God. Until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval saying, I wish you good health, spiritual, mental, and physical. We'll see you next week on the Dr. Sandoval Show.